Hi, you guys, and welcome back to the Morning Jots podcast. I'm finally back on a consistent schedule with recording, and it feels so good. And I also just want to thank all of you for choosing to come back every week to listen and learn and just be here with me as I share with you my life and my stories and my medicine and also get to share other people's stories and their medicine, too. And I think you guys are really going to like today's episode because I am joined by the one and only Kate Van Horn. And if you don't know Kate, she's an intuitive healer, a psychic, a tarot reader, and an author. And I have just been seeing her around and hearing about her through mutual friends. And I'm just so excited to finally be connecting with her myself. So thank you so much, Kate, for being here. And please feel free to share anything else that you feel called to about yourself. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. I'm really excited to be in conversation with you because I feel like we have a lot of synergy in our stories. And I know we'll get into it today, but like you mentioned, I am a tarot reader. I am a psychic and soon to be author. And I write about and share not only my personal healing experience, but, you know, the ways that I have found spiritual tools to be really empowering and really um, supportive in my growth and, and try to encourage the same in my community and my audience and my clients. And it's just been a wild ride, you know, when you, when you tell someone like, I'm a professional psychic, it certainly gets a lot of questions and a lot of, um, a lot of kind of ideas of what that looks like. And I, I try to bring my unique kind of flavor to it. So I'm sure we'll get into like what that really looks like and and how it all came to be, but it's certainly something I kind of fell into, but I'm very grateful that I did. And yeah, that's that's a little bit more about me. I love that. And I feel like for a lot of people, it's like you fall into it and it's definitely not what you pictured for your life, but life events happen and you just kind of stumble into like your actual path and it's always not such a stumble like for me it was like a literal push and like shove into my path yeah. because of just everything I went through but I also love because when I go to your Instagram page like the one thing that I really love is that you put storyteller and I resonate with that so much it actually came to me during a plant medicine trip where it was just like I went through this whole thing of you're supposed to share your story and like it's okay to share this experience because sometimes those ceremonies are sacred and it's kind of for you but it was like this like calling of like you're supposed to share your story and it was this whole beautiful thing for me to own my story and tell myself that it matters Mm -hmm. and I just really love when people show up as like I'm a storyteller because that's the best way to share our experiences it is it is and it immediately gives permission for someone else to tell their story and I think that's my favorite thing it's if I lead with my story others know that they can come to me with theirs and you know, especially in the reading setting, which is a huge part of what I do, I'm literally reading what what you're up to and what your energy's up to. It's a, it's a strange and very vulnerable thing. So um, for the same reason, I need to be ready to present with my story too. And I love that you bring that up and that you got that very like clear call to be a storyteller in this lifetime. And you've probably done it many lifetimes before and will continue to just share because I think, you know, what I realized pretty young and early on was the sooner I got my truth out and I released through story, I felt immediately better and I like felt more grounded and I felt safer because it's like, I got to declare the story for myself and um, it just felt really good and empowering that way. Yeah. I can totally, totally relate to just feeling like that's how you clear things. That's how you release things is through story. And I do that too. It's definitely my like gateway for everything, my creativity, my healing, my regulation, like all the things. It's just I don't know. I do feel like I can't writing like all the time. But anyways, I want to jump in to your story and like how you got here and what was this catalyst to this healing journey and like the work you're doing now? Yeah. So it's, um, it's something that began really, you know, unknowingly when I was very young, a little bit of, um, my, I guess my mission dropped in earlier than I would have ever realized. Um, I am the survivor of childhood sexual abuse. So from an early age, I was experiencing pretty big trauma. Um, And it was absolutely dysregulating, obviously, to my nervous system, incredibly altering on a soul level. And what I realize now, looking back many, many years now in adulthood and looking back to that small inner child experiencing that was that I was, was being offered this chance to redefine and relearn who I am. Like, And this horrible experience really did, like you kind of mentioned earlier, put me on this new path of like what I'm meant to do and how I'm meant to provide and heal and help not only myself, but eventually others. But it took a really long time to be ready to serve and support others. And 
where I noticed more of the healing, you know, really becoming a focus was when I was a teenager. I think the memories and the experiences and the imprint of the trauma started to come back up and surface. And I finally told people for the first time, I told my my family for the first time when I was like 17 years old. So this was something I'd held for like, you know, 12, 13 years. And my body was just confused. And I used my discomfort and I regulated it through disordered eating patterns. So I found ways to cope and soothe in the form of anorexia because I was like, I just want to hide. I just want to shrink. I just want to be smaller literally and figuratively. And it was really a self-sabotaging mechanism. And now I understand that. I understand that my eating disorder was a product of trauma. But fast forward, my family is incredible when it comes to like, there's no mental health stigma. There's no shame. And I was very privileged and fortunate to find my myself in treatment, multiple rounds of treatment, deep shadow work for not only the anorexia and the regulation of like the physical and safety in my body, but eventually then tackling some of the trauma and was later diagnosed with PTSD. So here I am a young 20 something being like, wow, I'm pretty screwed. Like I, I feel pretty like effed up. Like, you know, like I've got these labels attached to me. I'm in recovery, I'm healing. And although therapy and medication and all of those things were incredibly helpful and definitely saved my life. I also wanted more spiritual tools to coincide with that. I wanted more feminine practices. I wanted something softer. So I picked up yoga and meditation and eventually a tarot deck. And I started journaling more and doing inner child work and supplementing what was going on on a clinical level with really supportive, soft spiritual tools. And that's where I kind of blended the two and finally found a tremendous amount of peace. And then of course I became pretty obsessed with this idea that we can truly heal and we can rewrite our narrative and we can rewrite the past and we can learn to love ourselves again. And then, you know, that became more of a professional goal after and and what I share through my business today, but that's how I got here. And it's a little heavy, but it gets brighter <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Truly. It- It's incredible, your journey, and I'm so sorry that you had those experiences, but at the same time, it got you to where you you are. No, I know what you mean. It's it's interesting to like put it all in perspective and to be like, okay, well, how did I really get to this place of sharing the work that I do? And it's it is from some more difficult experiences. And um I guess it's all a matter of just finding the truth behind it and and seeing it for what it needs to be now. Yeah. I feel like what it's like what they say, like hindsight is always twenty twenty, and you can realize like for me, when I started to get really sick and like, now I can look back at that and be like, that needed to happen to me because I was really stubborn. And that was like my way to be so deeply uncomfortable that the universe would finally make me move different and just choose to really heal versus push everything down. Because that was the way I dealt with everything in my life. Because unfortunately my family is not pro mental health and they just don't believe in it at all. Like when I had an eating disorder, my dad chose to just believe that like, I just didn't eat enough, but it wasn't a mental health thing. And he like Mm. there, I didn't go to treatment and I didn't do the normal way to recover. It just became something that I was like, I want this bad enough that I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to figure it out. And it was definitely really challenging. And my mom's way of helping me was like, oh, I'll get you breast implants to help your body image. And so I was already disordered at the time. And so I was like, you know how your disordered brain is. So it was like her verbally affirming to me that there was something wrong with my body. And I had never thought about getting breast implants before that until she like brought it to me. And then I was like, oh, something is wrong with me and something is wrong with my body. So I should do it. And I didn't look into it, didn't research it, didn't do any of that. And I kind of just like went with it like pretty young. And then I was so underweight when I got the surgery. So I'm like, probably should have been illegal for them to even do surgery on me. Like I was, they were like, we'll just artificially raise your blood pressure during surgery. And I'm like, that's terrifying. Yeah. And so like, that was just, there were so many, like I woke up that morning, like I shouldn't do this. It was like this huge red flag of like, I know I shouldn't do this. And Mm -hmm. I did it anyway, just like went against my body's like knowing. And I was fine. I like recovered from the surgery and everything, but like three years later, 
it just like all came crashing down. I started having all these random symptoms and so much random pain in my body, like in my arm and then my back. And I was like on the floor for weeks at a time with heating pads all over my body because I was just in so much pain. And so like that was like my thing that just kind of like was like, I can't do this anymore. Like something is wrong. And it just kind of pushed me into And I like what you said before too. It's like you healed for yourself first. It wasn't with the intention of like to do this professionally or like whatever it's like, or to share what, you know, your experiences, it was like for you. And then kind of, as you like got deeper into it, you're like, wow, like this ignited my own inner medicine that I can help other people. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you also for sharing because that's, it fascinates me how the body can have such like a visceral reaction and such a response of like your body was rejecting that, you know, and saying like, please, like I, I'm, I need to be heard. I need to be felt for my intuitive response. And I just really, really just want to acknowledge and validate how powerful that is like that you had that red flag moment and, and the body was still speaking to you long after the surgery. And it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot for our bodies to move through and we're such spiritual beings, but we're in a physical container and it's giving us tons of information. That's one of the things too. Like when I'm working with clients or or groups, it's like, we always think about channeling and doing like psychic connection through something external, you know, looking up at, at the universe or spirit and wanting to pull down energy and channel it. And I'm like, we have enough right here in our bodies, you know, just in our day-to-day experiences, every memory that's there, every imprint has enough energetic like stuff to explore for a lifetime. It's really cool. So it's it's totally possible, of course, to to channel and receive outside of ourselves, but it's just as powerful to like feel and deeply connect with those inner parts as well. And I feel like that's what you described really, really beautifully. Yeah. And I just want to like dive more into like your disorder and how that looked for you when, yeah. when it came to like treatment. Like how did you learn to, you know, accept yourself again and love yourself for your like natural normal body weight versus being in a smaller body like what did your self-love journey look like yeah that's such a good question so my answer to that is twofold first I think there's kind of a recovery of the physical first where I just needed to feel stronger safer more nourished and I'll be honest a lot of that was done for the people in my life that love me if I look back at that time, cause I was like 19 in treatment and I was doing it because my parents were devastated. I felt like my friends were disappointed in me. I felt like everyone was staring at me with some expectation. And I, I know in my heart, I wanted it. I don't think in my mindset, I was fully there yet, but I was willing to do it because I could tell it was creating a lot of chaos and disruption in my life. So I began with just eating more, you know, restricting less, doing the basics and getting back to a place of just like nervous system safety. And then it kicked in the reality that, oh, I can go back to healthier eating patterns and I can stop over exercising and I can stop restricting calories and obsessing over my food. And I'm still not happy. Like there's still something for me to heal and for something something for me to process. And in that case, it was the trauma. And then I realized, oh, like in order to love myself, it's not about eating three square meals a day. It's just not, it's about how I show up and how I arrive in mindset. So I think it was like, you know, after a year or two of like going through the motions, I think my mindset reached that, that place of like, I'm willing, I'm actually willing to do this and fully recover and not look back because there was this part of me. And I wonder if you relate to this too. When I was in my disorder, I would tell myself, you know, okay, if it ever gets out of control, this recovery thing, I know how to go back. I know how to like return to that place. And I think that's what kept me kind of going for a while. And then it shifted one day and I wanted to enjoy myself. I wanted to feel present again. I started to learn what mindfulness even was and what it meant to be like really in the moment with myself and with other people and in interactions. And I think that started to feed me more than the disorder did. And that's why I started to like explore the things that that lit me up and brought me joy. I started to move differently. And like, that's where yoga started to really become a piece of it. And the self-love took time, but I think it was it was a very clear like kind of threshold between, okay, I have the option to stay 
very much like a prisoner of my disorder or I get to finally let this go and surrender to it. And like most things, surrender usually brings us the best uh, results. And I'm so grateful that, that that final shift occurred, but it took a while. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can relate to all of it. Like at first recovery for me was about the basics of like, oh, I need to eat more. I need to not, you know, exercise as much because I was like way overdoing it. And I was like severely restricting. So it was about the basics of like, let me just eat more because I know I need to nourish my body. Like I know this is what recovery is. And then it was also that same mental piece of like, I know how to go back. I know how to restrict again. And I can always, you know, I had that same mentality. And then I realized that small body, I wasn't happy getting into a bigger body like my normal weight wasn't happy. And I was like, something is still missing because I thought I was like, you know, after I started to eat more and do the things, I thought I was just going to feel better. And I was just going to feel like safer and all those things. And I still didn't feel safe. And then I had all the health things and then I really didn't feel safe. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's what kind of why I got thrown into spirituality because I needed something that felt safe when everything else in my life felt so unsafe. And so I went and started learning all the things I could about meditation and mindfulness, like you said, like you were doing and just kind of trying so hard to come back to like my body because I think I lived most of my life up here just in my head yes connected Mm -hmm. my body and so it was like that moment when it clicked that I had not lived in tune with my body I was like that is what fueled me more than the disorder I was like oh my god I want to know what it feels like to be in tune and to be in flow and to not be so dysregulated and have this rigid nervous system that is just stuck in chronic fight or flight because I had lived most of my life that way and I was like what would it feel like what would it feel like if I could just go back to having a flexible nervous system where I can always have one foot in this like regulated ventral vagal state where I'm calm and I'm open? What would that feel like? And I just, that's what fueled me to like keep going. Cause I was like, I just want to know what it feels like to feel like calm and at peace and just like, okay with myself. And the more I continue to do it, cause like, I'm not going to say I'm at this place where I love myself all the time. Cause I'm definitely, oh no, yeah, I'm definitely not, (laughs) but like I, I'm so happy and just proud that I'm at a place where I'm like, no matter what I look like, I love me. Like when I close my eyes and I drop in to do breath work or meditation or whatever it is, I'm like, this feels like home. And that's just like the biggest gift I think anybody can have who has like a disorder when they don't feel like they're home. Amen. Absolutely. That's exactly how I describe it too. It's like this feeling of coming home to yourself and, and we were relearning sensations in our body, call it safety, call it regulation, call it whatever you want, that we weren't used to feeling. And it it took a while for me to really understand how disassociated I was for a long time. How you talked about being up here, up high in your body, like up in the head. And it's like, I look back and, you know, memories of even like college, like kind of blurry because I was just very, I was going through motions. I was so fixated on the one and only thought that felt easy to, to kind of control, which was around the food and the exercise and the, this and the, that, and the weight and the numbers, I wasn't feeling, I was numbing out. And that was what was most fascinating too, was like when I did finally choose recovery and I started to step into that place of, of nourishing myself and going through the motions, all the emotions came back up and they were starting to swell. And I had to learn new coping mechanisms and new tools. And I really think from an eating disorder perspective, it it reminds me and is so similar to any addiction, to any coping mechanism that we demonize and see as wrong, except it's glamorized because we get thinner or we get healthier or whatever else, which is such bullshit. (laughs) And it's also hard because it's so hard because we're also confronted with the thing that triggers us to go into those patterns three times a day. We don't get to just abstain from eating for the rest of our lives. You know, like, you know, and I have addicts in my family and addicts in my life who I have so much respect for that recovery as well. But I think about that. I'm like, wow, I I have to continue to face these challenges every meal, every snack, every time I go to the gym, you know, and it's it's part of it. Um, But it's not everything. It's not the completeness of us, but it is interesting to see how it's kind of lifelong, right? Like it's a lifelong choosing now to stay in this in this new perspective and to, to be focused on the feeling and the feeling of presence and the feeling of peace and the feeling of love for ourselves and for our bodies. But it's definitely a choice. 
Yeah, it it really is. And when I started to get really sick and my body was changing because of the sickness, like because of not when the breast implant illness happened, it affects every single organ system in your body. And so it affected my liver. And because my liver was becoming sluggish and stuff, I started having like SIBO gut dysbiosis because my liver wasn't just like doing what it needed to do. So I started having all these things I had never dealt with in my whole entire life. And it was so Mm -hmm. like jarring to have been so healthy for 24 years of my life, like never dealing with any type of chronic illness to going to like now having to live this chronic illness lifestyle and having all these things pop up and because i was so anxious because that was such a lifestyle switch my nervous system felt like it just collapsed like i was like a shell of a human i had so much anxiety especially health anxiety and my body was just not having it and you know when your nervous system is dysregulated it's just concerned about keeping you alive wasn't concerned about making my hair nice and healthy or like having nice gut health or like a period like so I was just going through it and so like that it was so hard to be in having all of these things my body changing being inflamed being bloated to not go back into like an eating disorder pattern but it's like I couldn't do that because that would just make my body worse you know what I mean so I was in this place of just being so uncomfortable but not able to use that coping mechanism that an eating disorder is so then having to find other ways to cope which was the spirituality and that's just what I thought of when you said like you know it it was a coping mechanism but it's like when you don't have that anymore it's like that's when you have to like search for something different and it's like why not search for something that's actually going to help you self-regulate and self-cope in a healthy way so that's it's just been a journey yeah, no, we've been through it. That's yeah. what I'm getting gathering from this conversation. And I'm I'm so inspired and and amazed by your strength and all that because it's it is. It's so complicated. When one thing starts to heal and another thing is disrupted as a result of that healing, and it's just a domino effect that I'm hearing as well. But you're right. I, I think I got to a, a point where I just said, like, okay, I need faith, you know, I need to start to have something to grasp onto for faith and for better understanding of why I'm moving through this at all. Because, you know, I was a very anxious child because of what I went through. I started having like deep anxiety, panic attacks and so on as early as like grade school. So my whole life, my parents had been putting me in different, you know, therapies and were trying to figure out like how to make me feel better. And I think it was, you know, my early twenties when this was going on, I was like, enough already, you know, like, I don't want to be the person always healing. I want to have faith and I want to see the magic in my essence and in my energy. And I think a lot of the reason too, I wanted to change something was also because I was like fed up, you know? And I think sometimes when we're really fed up, we do throw our hands up and we say, spirit, take the lead here. Like, help me, let me see a different way to be. And I think that those tools that we're referencing for me, it was, you know, it started as the mindfulness, the meditation and so on and became more of the the tarot practice and all that. It was something to cling to and hold to, to anchor me as I was really just kind of completely surrendering. And um, sometimes that's necessary. And it's it sounds like you were in a similar boat. Yeah. I always say this too, to my clients, especially I'm like, when we are in pain enough, it's an opportunity Mm -hmm. to be willing and ready to finally move through something. And so sometimes it's like, let yourself be in pain enough because sometimes that is the catalyst to move through whatever the heck we're going through. And so I definitely see you and everything that you've been through. And I love when you said, I just wanted to see the magic and just be in my own essence because I feel like we get so stuck in the narrative. Like I always have to be healing. What's next to heal? to Keep moving through. And it's like, truly i believe that the most spiritual thing that we do the best thing we can do for ourselves is to just be in joy and to be present yeah yeah without just like needing to always be doing something you know it's just like i have gotten caught in that even recently i'm like oh i'm not like doing these practices enough and maybe i should be healing something and i'm like why don't i just be you know just be I know it's, I've been simplifying a lot too. It's like when I first went through what I guess can be called a spiritual awakening, my gifts are opening up, I'm connecting with spirits, I'm feeling it all, the downloads are rushing in. It's like, whoa, this is so exhilarating and cool. And I look back at myself then and it's fine. Like that's, that's the journey I needed to go on. But I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't like care about the crystals and the tchotchkes and the stuff anymore. I don't care about all that. I don't care about how profound a meditation was. I just try to exist. And um, yeah, it's like we dropped in to have this human experience and 
the best thing we can do is embrace it. So I love that you said that because that's a huge thing that I, I'm always talking about with clients too. Yeah. But- that's, when I got into breath work, I think that's when I really just understood the art of just being and existing without having to do all of these things and always be healing. Cause it's like, like you said, like we really, a lot of people just want to be getting downloads and receiving and just like being up in mm-hmm. the ears and that type of thing. But it's like, have you mastered being in your body? Like, have you, yeah, yeah. you ground in your body and listen to your body without having to like go up and like try to reach for more like you were saying before it's like our body has so much that we can dive into and so many little messages and things that we can listen to here it's like can you be in body before you're trying to be somewhere else yeah no 100 percent. it's exactly right and it's fun it's fun to to move and breathe and do those things and um just realize that the simplicity of it actually doesn't feel that simple at all. I'm not, it's funny. I'm not a big breathwork person. I've tried it, um, different styles and types, and it's, it's so activating to me and it kind of scares me sometimes. So it's, it's interesting when I meet people who are really deep into breathwork, I'm like, I want to get to that place. Cause it's like the next somatic experience. I feel like most of my somatic work is more movement based. Um, but I'll get there with breath someday. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's about finding because what I'm finding a lot about breath work and what's out there and what's being offered is very activating breaths. And a lot of the work out there is what I personally would call like a band-aid type of breath. Like you can do left nostril breathing to like calm your system. You can do right to upregulate your system. And those are types of band-aids things. Those things aren't going into your nervous system and like unwinding what's in there and bringing you down. And so like I do just a restorative breathwork practice. It's basically kind of like taking deep breaths, not activating at all. And it's actually getting into your nervous system and unwinding in a really gentle, but extremely effective way. And so like, that's why I like when people are like, I'm kind of scared of breathwork or like, it's like this and this. I'm like, there are ways to do it that it's actually really gentle and effective versus like the crazy open mouth breathing where you're like pumping in and out and it's like really yeah, intense yeah. and like you're like blasting out of body and those can be really helpful and like just as healing at totally. certain times. But like I just see people jumping into that and I'm like, if they're coming to you dysregulated and you're putting them into like a dysregulating practice, it's it's just like too much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would. We'll have to connect after the podcast. I want to know about this because I totally agree. I, I think I just need. I tend to be someone who's running on, you know, high energy all the time. So like, I'm more. I just need that that restorative piece. You know, I don't need much more activation because yeah. I'm I'm naturally kind of quick to like head into that anxious state. So that's interesting, and I can't wait to learn more from you. Yeah, we'll definitely talk after this. But I also wanted to like kind of jump into how you got started. Yeah. Tarot because I see your posts and I love when you do horoscopes and you connect tarot to like mm. horoscopes. I love that. And I just want to like hear about your journey and what you've like learned from tarot or like main things that have like come up for you. We're like, wow, this is like a really beautiful tool. Yeah, no, it's, it's my favorite tool ever. I I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> like I'm so obsessed with these cards and I'm proud to say it. Finally, it took me uh, like 10 years to get to that place, but it's something that I picked up very naturally. I saw it in a store. I was at in a boutique in New York. And I just was like, I think I need those cards. Mm -hmm. And I started playing with them and working with them like one card a day at first to learn them. And I was truly just exploring, but I was fascinated by how accurate they were every time and how they brought to light new ways to have conversation with myself, new ways to really self-reflect and ask myself deeper questions, more meaningful conversation and inner dialogue and I just found them really beautiful too. And I think what I liked about tarot as a practice and as a system is that similar to me, it had a lot of shadow. You know, there aren't just pretty positive cards in this deck. There are some really tough ones too. And I think that felt at the time when I met them, I still had a bit of imperfection around like full acceptance and forgiveness for the past. I was still holding on to a lot of like jaded energies, resentful energies. So to see this like tarot deck telling me that like life can be really hard and kind of suck sometimes that felt so validating. You know, I didn't feel like it was spiritually bypassing my reality and my experience. So fast forward, I'm working with them kind of as a, as a personal practice. And then The more I did, the more I realized how detailed they are and how like very intentional and very specific the actual system is. So 
I'm not usually one to be very studious, but when it came to tarot, I was like willing to be, (laughs) and I started studying it and I was like learning more about the history and I was learning more about the symbolism and getting way down the rabbit hole of like what these cards really represent. So at this point now in my professional practice, I feel like I marry the two. I blend the two. I have a lot of knowledge that I've acquired over the years of study, but also a lot of practice. And it it creates just like a pretty intuitive response. I feel like when I pull the cards, they just kind of speak to me and flow and trigger my psychic senses. So like I'll hear certain things or, or feel certain things as a response to them because I've gotten so familiar and I've gotten so comfortable with them, but they're definitely intimidating. You know, at first it was, it was confusing and it was, I was wondering like, am I doing this right? And that's why I teach the cards now. And I try to bring a grounded and practical approach because nothing in spirituality is going to be effective or helpful if we're judging ourselves and how we're doing it. So I try to remove that immediately from the tarot practice. Like there is no right or wrong. Um, but it does evolve quite a bit over time. Wow. I I love tarot. I got my similar to you. I was in like California, I think. I think it was California and I was like I'm like really called to that deck and at the time it was so funny because I actually had a phone case that was gifted to me and it was the tarot card of the sun and I just mm. picked up a deck and the same deck that I picked up was the same exact tarot card on my phone and I was like okay, like That's I'm wild. so called to this deck and I like played with it here and there. Um, I got like so many comments from my sisters, like, what are you doing? Like, that's so weird. And so I was like yeah, yeah. ashamed of like having it. And I was like, maybe yeah. this is weird, but I like felt so called to it. And then I would just kind of by myself in my room, like when everybody was like asleep or something, just kind of mm-hmm. like look at them. And it's so true. I love that you take away. And like one of the first things you do is like take away the judgment of like, you don't have to get it right. Yeah. That's what I do mm-hmm. in my breath work too, because I when I first started doing it, I noticed that if I didn't say that, they would end the session being like, I was so in my head wondering if I was doing it right or not. And I'm like, let's just remove that piece. Like let's, there is no right or wrong because you're going to have your own flow with it. Your own intuition is going to like cause you to either stop breathing for a minute, you know, to like take in whatever's coming in. And so it's like, you have your own intuition, you have your own flow with it. And that goes the same for tarot reading, I think too. It's like, when you look at the cards, it's not like you pick up like the star and everyone's like, you have to look at the textbook definition of what the star means. It's like, you have to like tell your own story and use your intuition. And I think that's why I really appreciate what you're doing with it because I don't think enough. I think a lot of people think it's like looking at a card and then checking what it means in the book. Yeah, no, no. And it's, it's really not. And it doesn't have to be, it can be, if that feels helpful. And if that's easier for you to get started and kind of your introduction, but forget the guidebook, your body's going to respond to the card emotionally, physically, intuitively more than you realize. So I always tell my favorite, like kind of practice is when you get a deck, when you start, when you're just beginning, I would start to pull a card a day and I would try to sit with the card first and journal about it first. And then second and see where your intuition naturally guided you. Cause it's just gonna be such a confidence booster when you open up the guidebook and you're like, oh, I was onto something there. Like I actually kind of understood what this was um, without even looking it up. So that's my favorite tip for beginners is to give your intuition a chance, give yourself a chance before you just immediately take the guidebook or the textbook definition as you know everything. Yeah. Have you ever had like a client or somebody come to you saying like, I feel so disconnected from my intuition. Like, I don't even know where to start. And if you have, like, how do you help people like guide through that? So that's a great question. I certainly have. I feel like I try to ask them what creatively is natural for them. So if they're like, I love to move my body, I love to get up and run or whatever else, or I love to write, I love music. Like I usually creativity and imagination are the same as intuition. And I think we have this idea that intuition is this gift that we're handed by spirit and that we're chosen to be intuitive and we're not. So what I like to do is just, like you said, let's just table it, right? If I see or feel like a limiting belief around being intuitive or having access to the gift, I'm like, screw it. Let's just leave that aside. Let's focus on creativity. Let's focus on expression. Let's focus on imagination, play, even making it playful and joyful. And then all of a sudden they're receiving with ease. So um, it kind of depends client to client, but I I kind of navigate in a direction that maybe they're not expecting, which looks a little bit more creative. 
And I love that so much because I think as a society in general, we're so suppressed like creatively. And I know a lot more people are getting into like the social media space and content creating. And I do think that's helpful in some ways of just like letting people create without judgment or just like create what feels good. But I still think that we, besides content creation, we're so creatively suppressed. Like I feel like not enough people just paint to paint or do whatever they like to do it because maybe it feels unproductive or maybe it feels X, Y, Z. But like for me, I had like this huge narrative that like if I wanted to do something else, it was like a waste of time and like I should be doing something else. And then I like finally had to like push all of that aside and was just just to be like, it's okay to like play and to like be a little kid and like be in joy because that is when I'm really present doing something, that is when I receive the downloads. Yes. Yeah, exactly my point too. It's like, I feel like the best moments I had to confirm my intuition were when I wasn't trying. I feel like at this point, because I've been, doing it for long enough. And I've exercised the muscle enough that I like know how to access it and like feel into it. But when I was first starting, it was, it was happening when I would least expect it. And when I was letting my body feel really like safe enough to be in play and enjoy. So, um, yeah, just echoing everything you just said, I think that was very telling for me was when I would be like coloring or something or being like silly with my inner child when I was doing some of that healing, healing work And then I would receive something that felt very different and felt really confirming. Um, So yeah, at the time, like when all of this was going down, I I was expressing my creativity quite a bit and letting it be imperfect. Like I've never identified as an artist, but I was writing, I was drawing, painting, dancing, and it all started to kind of happen at the same time. Oh, I resonate so much with what you just said. It's kind of like how you said it took you like 10 years to be like, I love tarot and I'm just going to claim that and own it. It took me a long time to just even accept that I like to write and I don't have to be called a professional or I don't have to, you know what I mean? I'm like, I just yeah. love this and like it, even with so many people messages or friends being like, you should write a book or like, you should write a little poetry book or like your writing is so good. Like, why don't you do something with it? I'm, I was still like, there was this limiting belief that I like, I don't know, I was just like, wasn't like accepting it. And so it like finally got to a point where I'm like, why am I not accepting it? Right. Like going and questioning that. And then, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Like what, how, what do you tell people if they ask you, I don't know if they ever ask you, but the difference between intuition and fear. Mm, I say that you can tell a huge difference in your body. So even when you receive an intuitive hit, or an intuitive confirmation that you don't want to receive, right? Like say, let's say, for example, it's time to leave a job or a relationship. And of course that's scary, right? But you get that that clear knowing and your body feels this like exhale. Sure, the reality of it is uncomfortable, but your body's saying, I have peace with this. I feel that to be true. Versus when you have a fear-based thought or reaction and you're wondering if it's your intuition, it's all the things that we associate with fear, you know, our heart starts to race, the sweaty palms, the pit in our stomach, our heart sinks and drops, those types of feelings. Like intuition should never feel like a roller coaster. So if your body's responding like a roller coaster ride, it's fear. And if your body's responding in a very like calming, present kind of way, like even again, even if it's something you don't prefer to be the answer or the outcome, your body still feels a sense of peace with it and is able to hold it and is able to hold it for longer. You're not trying to like get yourself immediately out of it, like sensation wise. So that's my biggest clue is how is the body responding? Yeah, I would say the same thing because I struggled with that for like longer than I even care to admit. I think I was letting so many fears come in and I'm like, oh, that's surely my intuition, but it wasn't, you know, because I was activated, like, and not in a good way. And then I started to realize that when it was just neutral, that was my intuition where I didn't have this huge, big bodily response or just like feeling like I needed to like get up and leave and like go do something. Like I was like, oh, if I can just like receive it and just be like, that sucks, but that's how I feel. And I'm still at peace with it, even though it's scary, even though it's hard. I'm like, okay, that is my intuition. And that took me so long to like nail down. It takes time. I really like the way you said neutral because that's a good way to describe it. It's neutral. The body feels neutral. Of course, the emotions can be running some sort of, you know, going through something at the same time, but the body itself feels quite neutral. And I like that word for it because it describes it well. Yeah. And so I want to also kind of go into what you do like daily. I know you said you were like simplifying what you do. So like what does your day-to-day like spiritual or just self-care hygiene look like? 
Yeah. So I, I love this question because I just think routines are fascinating. Like no matter if it's a spiritual routine, if it's a skincare routine, like yeah. give me all the details. Um, give me everything. So for me, I like to get up and I like to write. Um, I do morning pages. So I write like anywhere from one to three pages in the morning. I just like you have always really found a lot of healing in writing and I've always enjoyed it. So it's a way for me to also write and create just for myself and to do a little self-assessment to begin the day. Um, if I want to pull cards, I will then, but usually at some point tarot makes its way into my, my day regardless. So I don't force it only if I feel called, I like to move in the morning. I like to take a nice long walk outside. I like to take, uh, some space for myself. That's quiet. Um, I love listening to like really peaceful, like I do a lot of like jazz and stuff like that in the morning, something easy to kind of get into that flow and, and to allow myself to, to not be immediately, I feel like we've been talking about it so much, but the dysregulation, like I'm not immediately jumping into something heightened. Um, I love to like do silly little things that, that maybe feel silly to some people, but I really find them really helpful. Like speaking an affirmation into my lemon water. I mean, it sounds kind of nuts, but it's like, why not? <laughs> you know, you do it too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm already here. I'm drinking the lemon water. Like, let me tell myself how worthy I am as you, as I do. So that kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like my morning is just quiet and there's pockets of spiritual connection, even though it's really not that spiritual in, in tone. Like, it's like, it's not like I'm sitting down for prayer. It's kind of happening as I take my walk. It's happening as I drink the water. It's happening as I live. Um, and I think too, to be fair, I think the reason why my routine has gotten so simplified is because as soon as I turn on my computer, as soon as I start creating for work, as soon as I start doing sessions, I'm fully in, right? So I'm immersed and we're channeling and the cards are out and it's like, it's getting pretty woo woo. Right. So it's yeah. like, and then same thing at the end of the day, like my partner comes home and we watch top chef and we just like giggle and relax. Like, I, you know, that's the time for me to decompress. So yeah, I, I think my routines are very human. And then when I'm at work, I'm like, so not <laughs> like, we're just, we're feeling all the things and energetically going for it. So I get really the best of both worlds and I'm, I'm grateful for that. I can relate so much. I think in the beginning, like you said, when you have like the spiritual awakening, you think it's like about all the things. It's like, I need the crystals and I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this. And it's like, it, that was almost dysregulating to me. I'm like, this is like so much because it feels like a checklist and a to-do and I have to do this to be spiritual. And then I was like, I when I really started getting into it, I'm like, this can look however I want it to look. This doesn't mean I need to do anything to be spiritual. I can still be spiritual even if I did nothing. And so I had to like come to this practice. I'm like, well, what does actually feel good to me? Like what feels like a full body yes? And it kind of changes for me each morning. Like most days I definitely... Um, we'll meditate and I'll go for like a long walk outside. But like, that's also like you were saying, like a meditation to me or like a time where I can be in connection and communication with the divine, because I've always, whenever I'm walking outside, it's like, that's when the downloads just like come in. And when I have to like go stop and like sit on a curb and like start typing in my phone because something came through, it happens a lot. And so I'm like, I, that's definitely a daily thing for me because I just love walking too. I just love moving my body. I love being outside. So I, I really resonate a lot with what you're saying of just like, keep it simple. It doesn't need to be over the top and it just needs to feel good really at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's, and I would agree too. like, it's where I receive the most is when I'm just quiet and, and within my own energy. Like I feel like I, between walks, that's when I get the most too creatively inspired. Like I'll, I'll also be jotting things down, but, and ideas for even pieces of writing, stuff like that. And the shower, like the shower is where it all happens. I like the other day I actually ordered on Amazon, this like waterproof notebook. I swear to God, I felt like such a nerd. I was like, I'm going to keep this in the shower because I genuinely have like for workshops and stuff like that I teach, I get this idea and I'm like, oh, I want to add that to like my plan. I swear to God, it was so nerdy, but now I'm going to be writing notes in the shower. I'm jealous and I'm obsessed. I love that. A water, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing, a waterproof notebook. I, well, it's interesting. A lot of, I found out from Amazon, I'll send you the link. Um, I guess a lot of like law enforcement, like cops, and stuff use it because they're outside it's pouring rain they're writing notes but I'm just in the shower having a psychic <laughs> experience <so. laughs> oh my 
God, I love that so much. Showers are really like an experience, like a spiritual experience if you let them. Like a lot of the times I'll just shut the lights off and just let it like run on me and just like close my eyes and just like feel my body and stuff like that. And that's how I have to go to sleep every night. I'm like, I need a nightly shower just to wash off the energy from the day. Because if I don't, I like feel like I'm keeping all the stuff, like everybody's stuff. And I'm like, ooh, I just need to snap it away, wash it off, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. No, you are an empath then because same, it's like, if I'm out and about, I, you know, the salt bath I need, and especially after a lot of sessions with clients, but even if I'm just like having one of those social days, you know, out to dinner, out and about running errands, my partner laughs. He's like, get in your safe space, go in the shower, <laughs> go, go decompress because yeah, it, it's a game changer. It really does uh shift. So that's the type of thing. It's like, you know, I used to be the person that was like cleansing my home constantly and, and doing all these really like performative practices. And then I realized, oh, I just need to take a shower and like make it intentional. And I can actually be just as effective in my cleansing as like all those other things I was doing. So that's interesting to see the shift there. Yeah, it really is. I feel like I was doing a lot of the performative stuff too for a long time. And then I'm like, but when I actually got to the root, I'm like, why am I doing that? Like, does it even feel good? Like, what is what purpose is that serving? And then it really just became, like you said, all about intention. Like, if I just bring intention into my day, that's really all that matters into whatever I'm doing. Something I struggled with for so long was being what we call mindful like if i was even washing the dishes it was like my mind was thinking about xyz thing and it's like there was nothing even if i was creating content i was thinking about something else and i was like never present in what i was doing and so then when i like started to realize it's really just about intention and about reminding myself to be where i am that's that's genuinely the most nourishing thing to me because i am that person who can just like mind over there, like dissociate, you know, that type of thing. So I think that's one of the best things for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mindfulness is huge. It's like, because if you don't learn the key fundamentals of how to truly be mindful, which took me a while, like I didn't really understand what that word even meant. Like I had to keep practicing it. And until you get there, until you get that, that foundation of what it feels like to be that present in the moment, it is pretty hard to have a, an intuitive response, to have a spiritual connection, to have really anything that we're talking about. Like I can be pulling cards, but unless I'm mindful in that, I'm not going to get anything from it. So it really is the basics and it is the the foundational piece that we all need. Yeah, I totally, totally agree because that's something, like you said, it took me forever I, people always talked about mindfulness and I'm like, I, I actually don't think I know what that means. And it took a lot of practice. And I still, even when I meditate now, I like feel myself drifting off and I'm like, it's just a practice of like pulling it back, like and pulling it back however many times you need to without judging yourself, because that's what our brains do. They drift off and we just have to bring it back. And over and over. Yeah, that's really all it is. So I guess I just kind of want to, oh, one thing I did want to ask you because I just started looking what you have like a virtual studio, right? Yes. It's a new, so I've been hosting a membership for the last year, but I recently refreshed it a little bit to create a virtual studio experience um, so that there's more flexibility and ways to get involved. So the virtual studio is an intuitive studio. We practice channeled writing, tarot, somatic movement, and psychic channeling. And it's teaching a variety of workshops, signature workshops that I've kind of honed in throughout the years, um, group experiences, connection that we can have on Zoom, or I'm starting to teach live in LA. And in addition to that, there's like an on-demand library. If you can't make the live events, you can kind of study or practice on your own. There's also free pieces of content, mini practices that I upload weekly. Um, So plenty of opportunities to connect, be it through my website, inahealingspace.com, or In A Healing Space also has an app that you can um, access all the content as well. So that's the studio experience. And it's, it's really just meant to make spirituality accessible. You know, it's like, let me try a different routine. Let me try a new prompt with my journaling practice. Let me find a new way to pull a card and do it in community too. Yeah. I think it's really, really beautiful what you're doing. I saw it and I was like, kind of like diving in because I'm like, this is really cool. And I think it's really special because I think healing can be isolating. 
And then you're, you're providing this opportunity for people to come in and not only, you know, even if they're alone in their room, like going through something, it's still like feeling like a part of community. And even if you're hosting, I think it's amazing that you're also doing live. I feel like we need more live, like in-person type of stuff too, because I feel like that just connection has been so hard for a lot of people, I think for the past couple of years. And I think it's so special that you're, you just have this opportunity to connect virtually and in person, because I think that's what we need right now is to feel connected but also not alone because when I was going through this spiritual awakening stuff like not a lot of people were talking about it not a lot of people had these offerings and all these things that you could do and I had to navigate a lot of it on my own and I can't even I don't even know what I would have done if something like that was available at the time because it would have been so helpful and so much less isolating because nobody in my immediate family like they don't know anything about a spiritual awakening they don't know I get it (laughs) Like me and my, I have a twin. We could not be cool. more different. Like we can truly not be more different. She is the type of person who can't be alone with herself for like five minutes because she's like, doesn't oh. want to listen to her own thoughts. And I'm like, I just wish I could have had like a community like that or like people in, yeah. in that same space because it was really lonely. No, it was, it was lonely. And that's why I created the experience to begin with. And, and yeah, and also seeing like, I've done some stuff in person, but I'm starting to do more and more because I, every time I do it, I'm like, whoa, like you can feel, of course you can feel the energy virtually. Like I do believe energy is, has no time and space. So like, as soon as we're intent, like intentionally accessing it, we're there, we're together, but there's no denying that a room full of that type of intuitive power is so cool. So I do practice circles and things like that. And I'm starting to schedule more regularity now that I'm here in LA. I was previously living up in Washington and I was just kind of not in the right, uh, I was writing my book and a lot was going on. And now here I can do this type of stuff again. And it's bringing me so much joy to be able to, to gather that way. So, yeah. Now you make me want to go back to California so bad. I'm like, yes, go to LA. Come on out. I would love to go. I know I w- was going a lot, the, not last year, but the year before, because I had a granola brand in Air One. And so I was just like going and checking it there. Um, but I just miss LA. I love LA. It feels like home. Every time I go there, I'm like, my energy here feels so different. So yeah. I want to come visit and go to one of your visit events. It. It'd be so fun. Yes, please, do. please do. Yeah. And that's really neat. I want to hear more about the granola. That yeah. sounds yummy. <laughs> it's just my life has been the past couple of years has been like an up and down, just crazy journey, but we'll, we'll connect on that. But yeah. Thank you again so much for coming on and just sharing your beautiful wisdom and your story and just everything that you do. And I can't wait for people to hear this and just even hear about your virtual studio and just like jump into your offerings and just what you have, because I think it's really special, but let everyone know where they can find you, how they can work with you, all the things. Yeah. So I offer one-on-one readings on my website, katevanhorn.com. You can also find me on Instagram and then the virtual studio and community space is called in a healing space. So in a healing space.com and in a healing space on Instagram. Hey guys, go check her out. She's the real deal. She's so fun to talk to. She has, you have such a good energy. Thank you. As do you truly feel like I could see your aura right now. And it's literally like white and I'm just, Mm. and I love it. So it's just, take it. Love the cleansing it. works. Yes. yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for such great conversation. This was beautiful. And um, yeah, thanks for allowing me to share my story. Yeah, I definitely want you to come back on for like a round two because I feel like I could talk to you forever. So we have to figure that out too. Let's do it. Yeah.